welcome to Baby Gotta See This. I'm Liv. And I am Kurt. I went into like my teacher reading voice for a minute there. You did. I hated it. <laughs> You're a teacher now, babe. You just got to deal with it. I am a teaching assistant. Now you're a teacher. No, I'm not. I would never disrespect all my teacher friends like that who work so hard to actually teach children something, and I don't. That's fair enough. That's, I'm a glorified nanny. You're a glorified nanny. <laughs> actually, I think I'm an unglorified nanny. <laughs> I think nannies get more respect. Let's not even try to do some like worldly transition because. Snowpiercer. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> so, Olivia, was this movie about ice fishing? Uh, there was ice and there was fish. <laughs> That's your definition of ice fishing? If ice and fish are present at any point? Not I didn't say that was the, the definition. I'm just saying I wasn't totally wrong. <laughs> I think that's a stretch. <laughs> I think you're a stretch. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Me neither. Let's hear a summary. <laughs> uh, survivors of Earth's second ice age live out their days on a luxury train that plows through the snow and ice. The train's poorest <laughs> residents who live in the squalid caboose plan to improve their lot by taking over the engine room. And it was released October 21st of 2014. And it was directed by the uh, same guy who did Snowpiercer. Yes, his name year... is... Wait, you, well, we just said... Well, no, you said... <laughs> oh, say the guy who did Parasite. Sorry. Yeah. Bong Joon-ho, I think is his name. I'm so sorry if I'm not saying close. this correctly. B-O-N-G uh, space J-O-O-N space H-O. Bong yeah. Joon-ho. And uh, this last year, he won Best Foreign Picture for Parasite. He won Best Picture. Best Picture. Oh, it was the first time that a foreign film had won Best Pictures at the Oscar. Yeah, put some respect That's, on that man's yeah, name. The very respectable director. And as I learned, uh, see, last week, Kurt said, Olivia, what do you think Snowpiercer's about? And I said, oh, it's <laughs> about that. In my head, I was thinking it's about that train. Uh because I and then in my head I went no 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 that's the HBO show, this is different. Well, guess what? <laughs> the HBO They're show the is same. based off of this. So screw me, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so I went with ice fishing, and I'll never live it down, I guess. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that ice fishing is such like a peaceful thing, right? Like it's it's so chill, it's so calm. Snowpiercer is not. It's just so different than what the movie is about. Yeah, and like, I kind of wish we had watched the TV series. It's got David Diggs in it. I love that man. <laughs> well, this one had Chris Evans. It did have Chris Evans. Chris Evans is pretty great. He is pretty great. Cannot deny that. <laughs> so, Kurt, where did you find out about this movie? This was another one of those movies that I had discovered in like high school. And just was like, ah, oh, that sounds cool, and watched it, and then was just kind of blown away by it. I think it's an incredible movie. I know, a, I know, a, I know a good amount of people who would disagree with me, but I think it's an incredible movie. I will be the final judge on that, because <laughs> we all know my taste in movies and TV is elite, different than mine. <laughs> I'm right. 
Sure. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about our cast of characters. And then we'll get to my plot synopsis. Uh, at work the other day, I had a break. And so I wrote down everything that I could remember happening happening in the entire movie. Nice. So we'll see how much I actually remember. Uh, first, we got Curtis. Not me. No. Well, your name isn't Curtis. No. What's his last name? It's like Curtis. It started with an E, I think. Yeah, I it... know. Because I went, oh, Curtis, Chris Evans. Hold on. I'll look it up real quick. It's not even on IMDb. Everett. Everett, yes. So and basically he's... the same as Chris Evans. Yeah. I copied his name. <laughs> um, And he is our main character. Did you do? Do you think he was a good main character? I think that Chris Evans is amazing, no matter what he does. I'm also in love with him and highly attracted to him, so I think I'm biased. But <laughs> well, he is—he is an extraordinary actor. He's very talented. Um, Indeed, I think it, I think this was a good role for him because I mean, this was two years after Avengers came out, mm-hmm. so he was full on in cap mode. And it's, he's not Captain America in this film. No, it is very different. <laughs> so I think it was good for him. And he did a great job. And then there's, uh, I can't remember how they pronounce his name. Is it, is it Nam? I think they, I think they do pronounce it Nam. Nam. I could be wrong. He's the, he's the, the door guy. Yeah. So he, he was an, he was one of the engineers who helped build the train. Yeah. And he's a drug addict. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, we never see him, I, we see him a couple times doing drugs, but we, he doesn't seem like he's addicted to them, because he's that, using them for a different purpose, right? Yeah, uh, well, that's what they describe him as. When we're yes, they describe character. him as a drug addict. Uh, and then and that's, that's important, because it may, it, they pay him in drugs, which are used later in the movie for a different purpose. Indeed. And then there is Yona, who's his daughter. Mm-hmm. Who is addicted to drugs. Who is addicted to, to Kronal, specifically. Which yeah. is like an industrial waste drug that makes you hallucinate. Fun, right? Yep. And then there's Mason. but Minister Mason. But let's forget that. And let's just call her <laughs> Tilda. Because that's who she is. It's Tilda Swinton, everybody. Tilda Swinton is also... Um, she's one of my favorite actresses in general. And I'm she, pretty sure that they only say the name Mason like twice in the whole movie. That's fair. So uh, we've got Tilda. We've got Tilda. She is, I don't even know what her position is, but she is on the higher, she, the she's high like, end of the hierarchy of this train. Yeah, she's like one of the leaders, I suppose. And she's a whack job. Oh, absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Which is true of all of the leaders of the train. Indeed. Which, I mean, they've been trapped on a train for, like, 18 years, so. (laughs) Who are we to judge? (laughs) I'd be pretty crazy, too, I suppose. And then there's Edgar, who's uh, Curtis's hot-headed friend. Yes. and a little Irish boy. And I looked it up, and it is not. But for some reason, he just reminds me so much of Riley from National Treasure. In that they I both are a white man it. with brown hair. Riley Riley has a, a who was a secondary face. character. <laughs> yeah, I looked up pictures of and them. Is, they really don't look Irish. that. Yeah, yeah no, that yeah. 
they're really not that similar. I can see why you could think that, like, by, based off a of personality. I really think it was me having some wishful thinking. Like, I think that a thought popped into my head, and then the whole rest of the time I was like, God, I hope this is a guy from National Treasure. That would be so good. <laughs> and it wasn't. Maybe we should watch National Treasure. We should always be watching National Treasure. Then I can tell the story about your dad when we watch. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to watch National Treasure. I'm going to tell that story because it's one of my favorite memories I have with your family right after watching The Room. (laughs) Oh, that is also, that was phenomenal. Yes. So then there's Gilliam, who's John Hurt, who I know from Doctor Who. And he is. And I know from Alien. And he is an old man with no art, with one arm and one leg. And he's a, he's the, they, they act like he's the leader, but I guess he's not really the leader. He, he's kind of like the, the old leader who's on his way out, right? Like he knows yeah. he can no longer really do his job the way he used to be able to. Like he describes it in the movie at one point when he's, um, when Chris Evan Curtis was, is like no like gilliam you should be our leader like like you've led us this whole time and gilliam says i'm a shadow of my former shadow yeah yeah so it's kind of like he's aware that he's no longer the man to do the job and he's trying to kind of pass it on to curtis yeah which you know i'll get to some critiques of the film that's one of them because from the start of the film we are given no no impression that curtis is not the leader I mean, he kind of is. He just doesn't want to think of himself as it. Yeah, and it's like I'm like, dude, you're they clearly all look, yeah, which is yeah. what which is what Gilliam says. Gilliam it's tells like, him get a bunch on the, of times, get on the train. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then there's uh, Tanya, who's played by Octavia Spencer, who doesn't get enough screen time. She's a great character and a great actress, and she deserved mm-hmm. better. I said what I said. I think it suited the the plot of the movie, but yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but I always want more of some good actresses. <laughs> that is true. There are really only three women in this movie. Four. Who? Who's the fourth? A uh, pregnant teacher lady. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's more, but like the three main ones. Yeah, there's Minister Mason. There's... We got Tilda. We got Octavia. We got and... the the child kidnapping girl yeah but she's like claude I think claude, yeah but yeah. she's just in and out anyway octavia spencer is tanya and her main character trait is she has a son um you know as women do in hollywood yeah but i guess i guess it's like the reason she's important in the movie is because she's going with them to find her son because the front section kidnapped her son yeah which also happens to a guy Indeed. So I, I it's it's not as I can see I can see the argument that it's Babe, a, it's not this podcast if I don't make a controversial <laughs> feminist stance. All I'm saying is I think this movie does it better than other movies because they also show it affecting a father. I think that's fair. But I think she should have had another personality trait besides her son fair and then there's wilford he built the train 
Will Ferrard built the train. He is Wilford is divine. Yeah. As Minister Mason says at one point. Wilford in kind is, of that tone. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's chill. Like we'll get to that later. Wilford you, is weird. <laughs> would you like to hear what I could remember of the plot many days later? Yes. Okay. Um, so first things first, I should say that I'm really bad at watching movies. That's why I often don't watch films. Uh, a big reason is that I, for the, about the first five to 10 minutes of any film, I am not paying attention. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that Star Wars has never worked well for me. It's, because... it's hilarious because usually I'm the one that has issues paying attention, but when it comes to films that I enjoy, I like I like don't like watching movies as much because I don't find them as captivating. Like I don't like watching things that aren't intense because they aren't as captivating to me. Like I could I could get like I could watch a, a movie that is like incredibly slow paced and like like I don't know. Um, a Clockwork Orange or Apocalypse Now that are just <clears throat> considered difficult watches or 2001 A Space Odyssey and I get more absorbed into them than I do with things that are less artsy, which is the complete opposite of Olivia. <laughs> yeah, well, I will also throw Kurt under the bus a little bit too. Kurt is ADD, so whenever I start something, I go, Kurt, 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 are you ready to start the movie? Are you sure you're ready to start the movie? Okay, let's start the movie. Kurt just plays it. So I'm in the middle of talking about something, and all of a sudden he goes, you missed all of the exposition. That happened the first time we watched Star Wars. I didn't realize he had started the movie, and I was talking, and, you know, it was a blank screen, because that's what it is before it goes. So I was just talking, and he was like, shut up. You're missing all of the information that will make this film watchable. That was many years ago. Guess what? That was many years ago. I did it again on Sunday when we watched this film. (laughs) So from what Kurt explained to me, I guess they do a a lot of text shows up on the screen. And guess what? Climate change became a massive problem. This is not surprising. It already is a massive problem. Take care of the earth. Or else we're all going to get stuck on a train, I guess. So basically, <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, humans do what humans do. And we went, it's fine. We can outsmart nature. We'll just fix it. Earth getting too hot, put chemical in air to make cold. Yep. And then we did it. But guess what? We accidentally froze the entire planet, except for this train that just goes around the globe. So a whole bunch of rich people got on this train and then a bunch of poor people fought to the death to get on this train and then everybody died who wasn't on the train and so then we see all the people in the back of the train and i want to give massive props to this director because you know what i mean kurt you know one of my biggest pet peeves as somebody with bad eyesight is when i can't see a damn thing in the movie because it's too dark Cause oh, okay. it's meant okay. to look dark, but I could still yep. see everything. Everything looks dark, but it's not really, which is exactly. very good. That set and lighting, it's it was well done. Very good. I could tell this is meant to be dark. I could still see. I love that. So then we meet the people on the back of the train, and it's confusing because they're like sitting, but then Chris Evans doesn't sit. None of this matters in the moment. We'll get to it later. 
and then they take children and the parents are mad obviously because they're stealing their children and they go no give me back kids and some guy throws a shoe at somebody and so then they stick his arm outside the train that's punishment and tilda goes on a rant so then this guy loses his arm because they do this really gruesome thing where his arm freezes solid and then they shatter it Ugh, gross right and then they uh, they're like how much more of this are we gonna take we gotta go curtis and curtis is like no not yet Blech. and then they eat their weird jelly food and there are little metal capsules in it which is confusing but it makes sense later i guess and so then they're like we gotta go to the prison car because all these little messages spelled out that we got to get this guy who's in the prison car this drug addict man who made the doors so <laughs> this is I, lo- quite- I love it so far keep going i think i haven't missed anything um i would say that the, the only thing i would correct you on is that the, the capsules are not mysterious they they clearly state at the beginning of the movie that they think they have an informant in the front section who is uh, sending messages well it was <laughs> mysterious to me um, <laughs> so uh then uh chris evans is like huh you know what's what's weird something about the guns i don't really know and so then they think bullets are extinct yeah which is what they say when there's no more of it on the train it's extinct so they yeah they are convinced that the because you know that's what the word extinct means why did you explain that like it was because it's not like bullets like it's not like an animal going extinct right like bullets probably still exist outside of the train just on the train nothing exists outside of the train that's the whole point oh my god okay um no. Yeah, so he thinks he he's convinced that the guards don't have bullets in their guns, which so means their guns are useless. Yeah, so there's a super sick shot of Chris Evans like walking up to a guard, putting the gun to his head and then pulling the trigger. That is one of my favorite shots in the movie. It's super dope. And then he's like, they got no bullets. And then everybody revolts and they push a giant pipe through all the doors so the doors can't close so they can get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where the timeline of the movie gets pretty weird for me, so maybe some of this will be out of order. I can't remember. One of the issues with this movie is it's entirely them walking through train cars. It does take place on a train. So, (laughs) the order of the train cars gets fuzzy. So, the- they learn- they get through the guards, no bullets. Easy no cap they get to the guy and his daughter they're like cryogenically in a coma or something like that because you know they want to feed them the prison car is literally just like i said is that a morgue yeah she thought because they pulled them out on like sliding trays so they're in like basically confined spaces that they can't move in which is terrifyingly dystopian yeah so uh they are like yo open all the doors for us and he's like whoa no and they're like yes we will bribe you with drugs and he goes "Ooh, heck yes but my daughter comes too and at some point we find out he has like the last cigarettes on earth pretty wild so then they (laughs) open the door everyone freaks out they're like cigarettes went extinct 13 years ago and i'm like as they should they kill you (laughs) whatever this movie takes place in what 2031 Something like that, yeah. Or was that when the Earth froze? 
That might be when the Earth froze. So it might be in the 2040s. And it, t- yeah. Okay, but the moral of the story is we knew in the early 2000s cigarettes were bad. Well, it, you have to take into account that this was written by a Korean director and a and it's technically a foreign film. Um, so it's that cigarettes are much more popular worldwide than they are in the United States. And 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 I and I think that um like if I was stuck on a hell train um you know, I don't think smoking would be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> if I was stuck in this this hellish dystopian of the back section of this train where for a while people were literally eating each other, yeah, I'm gonna I gonna smoke to to cut my nerves down a little bit. You're absolutely <laughs> not. I should mention cigarettes and any form of like smoking is a extreme no go for me. I'm just a family I, I history. Think it, I think it makes sense for the people stuck on this train to look to anything for comfort. Hey kids, don't smoke. Don't smoke. You're not stuck Bad on a hell train. You know, if you are stuck on a hell train, don't smoke <laughs> either. It's not going to make it better. <laughs> They don't even taste good. Bottom line, there's no real good excuse. I don't. (laughs) I should also mention, I've never had a cigarette. I'm just assuming because it looks like dirt that it tastes like dirt also. (laughs) Maybe they don't. I don't know. Cigars taste good. I've never had one of those either. I don't want to smoke anything. Except a nice brisket. I don't even like brisket. (laughs) Next point. So we get through some cars and there's some fighting. Uh, at some point in this, they find out they were eating bugs. Um, yeah, that was go, their weird jelly. They go to the food car and they find out that the protein, uh, like the protein gels were uh, just ground up bugs. Which, as I told Kurt, implies the existence of a bug car. Which I wish we got to which see. Which we didn't get to see. And I wish we did. I, no, I think you wish we didn't. I think you're happy that we didn't see the bug car. Don't lie to me. <laughs> I think it would have been a really interesting dynamic to add into the movie where every car is like weird, a weird bloodbath. And then all of a sudden they open a door and it's just bugs. <laughs> would have been a weird vibe to throw in there. Uh, so anyway. Maybe uh, he wanted to and they just didn't have time. Maybe. Uh, so anyway, at some point they walk into a car and there's a whole bunch of creepy people with axes and they're wearing like ski masks, but instead of the hole only showing their eyes, the hole only shows their mouth, which is like pure COVID risk, I guess. Yeah, but in, in this in this fictional dystopia, COVID is not the risk of human extinction. It's global warming. You know, it, it's both right now, so fair enough yeah and so um snowpiercer 2 <laughs> virus <laughs> is that parasite i have i've never seen parasite me neither uh, i will at some point we'll get there uh so there's a bunch of creepy people with axes and there's a lot of killing olivia it's... had her eyes shut for most of that scene yeah i did uh <laughs> and it was the beginning of the end for this movie uh, oh my god <laughs> And not in terms of me liking it, in terms of me being able to watch the majority of it. <laughs> um, and I think at this point, it, not uh, Riley from National Treasure dies. Yeah, he dies in the uh, 
yeah in that yeah fight. which is sad and then they it's, uh... it's an important i i will point out that it's not just him dying it shows the first steps of curtis making sacrifices which is something that he's been talking about the whole movie because gilliam was like it's unclear at this point in the movie, but Gilliam had sacrificed his arm for something. And that is something that Curtis as everyone's trying to make him the leader, but he's looking at it as like, I can't even like, I wouldn't have been able to sacrifice my arm the way Gilliam did. Yeah. So he's, which... he's trying to find ways to do. He's not trying to find ways to do sacrifices, but he's kind of like getting there. And this is the first big one because it's between he's the choice between capturing Minister Mason and making it easier for them to move forward or saving his friend. Yeah. And I will mention for the person who's watching this movie for the first time, it's super confusing because every now and then somebody talks to Chris Evans about being a leader and he's like, how can I be a good leader if I have both arms? And it's like, dude, He's referencing Gilliam. Yeah, it took me until the end to figure that out. I was like, dude, <laughs> having two arms is an asset. What are you? <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crybaby complaining about having an arm. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gilliam's like, I mean, it's easier to hold a woman. And I was like, yeah, dude, shut up about having both arms. Like, that's how I feel like. When you go up to your friend who, like, you know, only has one arm, the last thing you should probably do is complain about how you have both arms. <laughs> I mean, I think Gilliam takes it well, right? He understands the reason why Curtis is complaining about it. Of course he does. But I was like, dude, shut up. How insensitive. <laughs> um, guess what? They captured Tilda Swinton. They captured Tilda Swinton. They and, got her, and, and they're like, uh, take us through the train. And she does, and they pass by a whole bunch of rich people who cl clearly something's not right, as the poor people in the back of the train are there, but they don't do anything because they don't know what to do. So they walk through a greenhouse, and then they get into a, um, a, a fancy uh, aquarium train, and she's like, ooh, it's sushi day. You can have sushi. And they're like, yeah. And she's like, we only serve sushi twice a year. And they're like, yeah, why? And she's like, because we have a delicate balance ecosystem and we must keep 74% of the fish killed every so no. often. Yeah. No, it's, that, it's the 74% comes in later. No, she says that about the fish. She says 74% about the fish? Yeah. I'm going to watch the scene right now. No, I think I, you're right. You're right. Which is a parallel to how they're treating the people. Shut up. Stop spoiling things. <laughs> this is why you can't do plot summaries. Because you spoil... Where's the suspense, Kurt? It, they talk about the 74% earlier. Minister Mason says when... Before she's captured, and um, precisely 74% of you will die. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Okay. But, but they <laughs> still don't know what that means. It's so cryptic. But that's that's... That's a foreshadow. Yes. That is a clear foreshadow. So let it foreshadow. Don't tell them the don't oh tell them how it ends yet. But you missed the seventy four percent part. So well, how is it gonna I foreshadow? Was, clearly I was more interested in the fish. Oh my god. <laughs> uh so then they go eat sushi and then they go to the school car, which was terrifying. And all of those children were way too well behaved. <laughs> 
and the teacher is extremely pregnant and they're talking oh yeah at one point they're like hey look we're gonna ride past all the people like some people who tried to leave the train and died immediately we can see their frozen corpses and the children are like yay and, and then there's like, a whole bunch a, of what happens when we leave the train and all yeah. the kids go we all freeze and die <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can train kids to chant anything um true yeah and then at one point they're they do they sing a whole bunch of culty songs about the train and uh then they uh and then they pass the the year the year marker on the route that was so earlier that was during the fight oh yeah they passed the the marker and um oh at one point when they were fighting there was also a really cool scene where like they turn all the lights off in the train and they're going through a tunnel so it's completely dark and so they have night vision goggles, but then the poor people make fire. It's cool. Just watch it. Uh, yeah. And then the Eggman comes by. <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm making this up, but it's not. No, he's, he literally has a cart full a of A man eggs. walks by with a wheelbarrow looking thing full of eggs. And they're like, have a New Year's egg. And they everybody gets one. But uh-oh, you know what's in the egg cart? guns and double uh-oh these guns have bullets they weren't extinct they were only extinct with the poor guards that got the short end of the stick watching the poor people i guess well it's it's it, it's uh they do it in a clever way because they pu- push the eggs all the way back to the tail end of the section and the people in the back are like i thought chickens were extinct um and the egg guy uh goes well uh many things were thought to be extinct on the train that are not and um, they're like, like what? And he goes, for example, bullets and pulls guns out of the eggs and starts shooting people. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's clever. Oh, also at some point, Gilliam dies. When does Gilliam die? I think it's right now. He gets shot. No, Gilliam died earlier. Gilliam... Okay. At some I'm point... trying to figure out exactly when. At some point, no, because they had the TV. It was on the TV of the... Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't... Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. They show the video of him dying. Yeah, and so Chris Evans is like, uh-oh, guess what? Now I gotta be the leader. And it's like, yeah, Chris, oh. you were already the leader. Get with it. Not new. But anyway. Um, and then they... uh, Yeah, basically a lot of people die. You could just assume that everybody besides Chris Evans, Doorman, and his daughter died at some point. Yes. <laughs> In between this. Well, all... um, well, the dad dude who lost his son died in the uh, school car when yeah, the and so teacher did... lady pulls out a gun and shoots him in the head. Yeah. Insane. Uh, I did also have a complaint about that. She was extremely pregnant, and shooting the gun was not an issue for her at all. Which, and as I, I made the argument that that is an incredibly low recoil gun. Um, I don't think it would be that big of an issue. And I made the argument that existing when you're pregnant is hard. This woman is like eight to nine months pregnant. Oh, yeah, she's very pregnant. I'm like, your center of balance, way off. Unless she's <laughs> practicing at the range every single day. I mean, she shot that gun pretty proficiently. She did. She immediately murked a guy. Whatever, it's a movie. Uh, <laughs> so we, we walk through a bunch of cars again. 
one of them is a car. It's like a club car where all the drug addicts are. And then we get to the end. Ooh, the big front of the train. You missed the sauna car. Oh, yeah. There was a sauna car and another fight happened there. Yeah. In which this guy is just, he's just taken a bad guy upper class protector man he just takes blow after blow like he gets basically yeah like this man should be dead uh it's wild anyway there's a fight again it's a lot of just in between and i wasn't looking for half of it because i don't like it so uh so we get to the end and uh the door guy's like i'm not gonna open this final door for you and uh curtis is like what why no And he's like, and and the dude is like, hey, uh, no, because guess what? I think the earth is warming up again because a couple of years ago, when I looked out, you could only see the tail end of this plane because it was completely covered in snow. But guess what? Now we rode by and now I can see more of the plane, which means the snow is melting and we can get out there and live in this world. And Chris Evans is like, you're absolutely insane, you stupid drug addict. And he's like, I'm not a drug addict. I've just been hoarding all the drugs so that because they're flammable. So I can make a bomb. I'm going to blow the train up so yeah, we can escape. He, he like like he, uh, he demands the rest of the chrono. Uh, yeah. And he's like, what? So you can get high before get high and then go die in the snow. And he's like, he's like, um chronos and is an industrial like industrial waste it's highly flammable and explosive and then he like pulls out a big clump of it that he's been collecting the entire movie and goes it's a bomb you idiot (laughs) which is super weird because he's known this and done this and he's just fully let his daughter become addicted to it anyway she's like literally passed out on the floor high as hell yeah well that's happening uh, I mean, and, it is dystopian again. Yeah, and Chris Evans is like, dude, no. And then they fight a little bit. Not a lot. Yeah, just a little. Compared bit. to this, compared to what we've seen in this movie, it barely even counts as a fight. But then the door opens by itself. Ooh, and uh, Claude, the woman. Who okay, took the you're children. missing. You're missing a very important plot point. What? It's the reason why Chris Evans wants to sacrifice his arm. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I forgot that he... Okay, okay. I forgot. I thought that he said that to the train man, but he said it to him. Chris Evans goes on this whole long backstory where he's like, here's what happened when we had to fight to get on the train. They didn't have any food for us. We were all so hungry. And so we eventually started eating the weak. And then at one point he was like, I know what people taste like i hate that about myself and i hate that i know that babies taste the best and one time there was this guy with a knife who went up to a mom and killed the mom so he could take the baby so he could try to eat the baby and then this man walked up and he was like don't eat the baby i'll cut off my arm so that you can eat that if you're so hungry and who was that man it was gilliam so it's like the guy who didn't have that arm that was gilliam that baby was his friend who's not riley from national treasure and the man with the knife chris evans whoa which i think i looked at kurt and went dude that's wild It is it is incredibly wild. Which is a severe underreaction, frankly. <laughs> yeah, he does that and the dude's like wild. I'm still gonna blow this train up. 
And then the door opens and uh, Claude, the woman who stole the children, is like, Curtis, we've been waiting. That's not her voice. But she's like, Curtis, we've been waiting for you. And he walks in and Wolford's... And she, she shoots uh, the Korean guy. Oh, yeah. She shoots him because this is on... We're not even phased by that anymore on the street. And um, yeah, and so... He steps in, and the train man, Wilford, is like, whoa, welcome. <laughs> and he starts talking, and then he's like, he talks, he's like, oh, yeah, my friend Gilliam, we talk all the time. And Curtis is like, shut up, shut up. And he's like, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and guess what? The whole thing has been a setup. Uh, yeah, Gilliam has been working with Wilford to keep the ecosystem of the train sustainable. So they were planning uh, revolutions and like like uprisings to perfectly kill the exact amount of people that they needed to to keep the ecosystem in the back of the train running. Gilliam was, was in. Culling, yeah. Yeah, Gilliam was in on it the whole time, and he was like, "We don't have time to wait for natural selection." And I was like, you know, all right. And he's like, guess what, Chris Evans, Curtis, you're going to be the new population control man. And Chris Evans is like, why the hell? No, he wants him to take over the train, like the whole train. Oh, yeah. Well, that's pretty much also what his job is. Yeah. He's like, you're going to be the new population control train man. All right. I'm old. I'm tired. You get to sit in this tiny room for the rest of your miserable life and take care of the train. And then Chris Evans has a beautiful moment and a beautiful shot where he cries and he breaks down to himself. Uh, we find out that uh, this train man was the one writing the mysterious notes in the food that I guess weren't that mysterious after all. <laughs> and it seems like for a minute, Chris Evans is gonna... Um, is gonna take the take the job for a hot second. It's like, oh, is he gonna take the job? And then he pulls up a floorboard, and you know what he sees under well, the floorboard? The, the psychic drug addict check um, runs up. Oh and yeah, like she's screaming a psychic. I never it. mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, you never mentioned that the entire. So she she gets high and sees visions of the future. So like at different doors. Um, they're like about to open the door and she's like they're coming and like the door opens and you see somebody running down right or she's like she tells them not to open the door and they open the door and there's a bunch of enemies there right yeah, so it's which i mean i will say this movie is so wild that like psychic drug addict does not even peak the top 10 weirdest things in this film. <laughs> So she runs over to the floorboard and, and is like, like screaming uh, and crying and clawing at it. Yeah. And so Chris Evans is like, chill out. Let's open it. He's not because he knows that she's psychic. He's like, let's <laughs> open this. And what do we see? He opens it up. It's Octavia Spencer's child. And he's mm -hmm. just working. And they're like, well, that train part became extinct. So we just decided to have a child do it, which also, I mean, leads to the point of this man is so genius that he built this train. He couldn't come up with a better solution. I actually have a very interesting, I read a very interesting theory the other day. 
Can I finish up? We're so yeah, close to the I'll, end. I'll get, I'll get to this interesting theory afterwards. The end is wild. Uh, and so also at this point, the the doorman, he, he got shot. But guess what? He didn't die. But guess what? All of the drug addicts whose drugs he stole from the car prior in the club, they're coming to kill him now. So he's fighting off these rich drug addicts. Uh, and Chris Evans is beating up the train man. And the uh, psychic daughter is like, what do I do? And so um, Chris Evans reaches in. He reaches in to where the child is in the floor, but there are a bunch of gears shifting. And so he stops the gear with his arm and he brings the kid out and they get the kid out. But guess what happens? His arm gets ripped off. He's a real leader now. And they... <laughs> and uh and then um the the dad the the dad of the of the psychic daughter is like put the bomb on the door blow it up so she does uh they use the match from the little cigarette container uh and they uh blow up the train and presumably pretty much everybody on this train dies it goes flying off the track tops a turvy all over the place yeah i i would be surprised if more than like 10 percent of the passengers survived yeah but you know who did survive psychic daughter and the little boy that they saved uh octavia spencer's son mm-hmm. not the other kid but <laughs> not that we know of that kid was in the train yeah he was like in the engine yeah so <laughs> not looking great but uh, they go and they're walking and guess what? They're outside for a little bit and they don't immediately die. They have these big, huge, fluffy fur coats on and they start walking and they see a polar bear. And then the movie ends. <laughs> That's Snowpiercer. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Sponsored by Coca-Cola because of the po- That was the joke I made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the coca-cola bear <laughs> um i read an interesting theory do share um i actually have two interesting theories but the, this one i read more recently the other one is from a video i watched a while ago um that i think is hilarious uh this one is is more interesting and less funny um the theory is that the gas cw7 is not what caused global warming it is, in fact, propaganda by Wilford to um, excuse using the train and keeping people on the train. And it's actually the train that has cooled down the Earth. Because the laws of thermodynamic don't allow for something to run sustainably forever. Right. That's just against physics. You cannot have a machine that runs indefinitely off of like reuse recyclable fuel that doesn't work um somewhere efficiency gets lost and it'll eventually run out of fuel and stop it has to right otherwise it just breaks all the laws of physics so the idea is that the train is actually siphoning thermal energy from the world and the more the train is running the colder things get and the reason that the train is getting that things are getting warmer is because the train is becoming less efficient 
and siphoning less and less thermal energy from the world. Um, and that's in turn letting the temperature raise again. Huh. So that's that's an interesting theory. Okay, now share your dumb one. I the dumb this. one, which I think is hilarious, is that Snowpiercer is the sequel to Willy Wonka. <laughs> um, the idea is that I'll, I'll I'll keep it short, but the idea there there's a couple things that actually really make sense, right? It's obviously completely ridiculous, but there are some things that make a lot of sense. For example, Willy Wonka's big thing was experimental modes of transportation and experimental foods, and self-sustaining foods and transportation. Um, you see both of those things in Willy Wonka's factory. The Snowpiercer train is the epitome of both. It is self-sustaining in both food and transportation. What else? There's the idea that that Wilford, imagine Charlie after he inherits the chocolate factory, renounces his family name, and decides to pick something that more fits the Willy Wonka brand, specifically Wilford Wonka, and Charlie Bucket becomes Wilford Wonka, the creator of Snowpiercer. <laughs> and uses Wonka's just state-of-the-art technology in design and food making to design a train that is self-sufficient uh, to save the world. Now, you might be wondering, where are the Oompa Loompas? Now, the, the reason they're taking the children to the engine is because there was something in the engine that went extinct recently, is what uh, Wilford says. Um the theory is that the the Oompa Loompas were the thing that went extinct. And that's the reason they need children to maintain their roles, because they need somebody short enough to fit in the space that was designed for an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> I hate it. That is that is in short the uh the theory. <laughs> also this movie is called Snowpiercer because the train pierces the snow. Yes. It's kind of like the same concept of, of naming a ship meant for Arctic exploration and icebreaker. Same, same kind of thing. Okay, Kurt, what did you like about the movie? Keep it brief. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because it's <clears throat> surreal. I often find myself enjoying movies that are surreal. Um, I like that a lot of the things in the movie make more sense when you watch it around the second time. Um, you start to put things together and see how this has been an orchestrated event all the way up until the end. Um, I think the acting is great. I think all of the main characters um, are just phenomenal. Um I like I, I like dystopian stories, so I think like this is a very unique dystopian idea. Um, so I just I think that's cool. Um, yeah, there's just a I just like this kind of just almost nonsensical dystopian movie that just kind of suggests more than it says. I like that. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty solid movie. I, I'm surprised. I was expecting you to hate it. No, I didn't hate it. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I don't think that's because of the actual movie. It's because it's just not my type of movie. Like, I can't watch 
a lot of violence. Like I told Kurt, one of my least favorite things is that super squishy sound that movies and TV always add when somebody gets like stabbed. Yeah. I don't like that. So I liked the movie. I liked everything that wasn't action-y and the action just wasn't my style, but I understand why it was there. Yeah, and, and something I, I told Olivia uh, while I was watching it is that Korean movies tend to be incredibly violent in mm-hmm. in a sort of taste that isn't kosher for American audiences. And that's just kind of from what I've read and from what I've seen is stylistically indicative of, of um, Southeast Asian filmmaking. Yeah, so I thought that it fit. Like, I thought it fit the tone and everything mm-hmm. like that. It just, for me personally... And it's not my, for everyone. It yeah, definitely is it was gratuitous for what I'm able to handle. It is It is extreme, to say the least. Um, but I liked it. Yeah. Do you want movie. some fun facts? I have, I have one, um, no. but I'll let you do yours first. I want to hear yours. Okay, so mine is... I actually play a video game called Frostpunk, and the purpose of the game is that you build you're you're building a town around this generator that just emits heat in basically a frozen wasteland like the world has frozen over um and you're just trying to survive the winter that's like the basis of the game is keanu a Um, terrorist in that one too no this is this is like a strategy game it's not like a an rpg or first person shooter that was a joke because um, it's called Frostpunk. yeah yeah um, it's like it's, it's it? like a, you didn't it's, laugh so i'm making sure uh, you understand because I that was it. really funny um it's <laughs> it's uh like a steampunky game um so everything is huddled around like a giant coal burning like generator um so it's kind of like steampunky so the fun fact is that in the deal, one of the DLCs that is the prequel where you're setting up for the events of the winter, um, your explorers can run into Frenchmen who are making, I can't remember how to pronounce it, but they're making a train that in French literally translates to Snowpiercer. And you find its wrecked remains and can steal all the resources from it because it failed. And I thought that was funny. So they, they, it was like a throwback to Snowpiercer. And I think the developers of the game thought it was a stupid idea and not how you would be able to survive the winter. <laughs> so they threw it in as a failed experiment by the French. Makes sense, honestly. And I thought that was a cool Easter egg. So I figured I'd share it. Yeah, so a lot of these facts relate around uh, writer-director Bong Joon-ho, who, as we mentioned, was the director of Parasite. I love this man. This is the man who like roasted the American... <laughs> academy Uh uh-huh and like the golden i think it might have been the golden globes this is a guy who like afterwards when he did his press for like winning all of his oscars he like made them kiss like i love (laughs) this man so this is a great story apparently he clashed with producer who was harvey weinstein who we don't stand not at uh, all who and i guess uh uh he harvey weinstein frequently interfered in order to create quote his end quote version of the film among the many requests, the producer insisted on having the fish scene removed in favor of more action. Bong, who considered it his favorite shot in the film, was adamant to keep it. So he told the producer, Harvey Weinstein, that he wanted to keep the shot for a personal reason as a tribute to his late father, who was a fisherman. Upon hearing this, Weinstein said that family is so important to him, so he granted Bong to keep the shot. 
And then in an interview, the director later said, quote, it was a fucking lie. My father was not a fisherman, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) That is iconic. (laughs) This man does not care. I, I mean, that is, is, is it the, the fish scene as in like the sushi scene? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I can't think of any other thing with fish. Uh, when the, when the guys come out with the axes and they coat it in the blood of fish. Oh, probably the. The sushi scene is, is a, is a better shot. Well, so he said he wanted, he said he wanted more action. So yeah, I, feel so I like can't imagine it, that would have been the scene. Yeah. So I think it was the sushi scene, which is an incredible scene. It's right? beautiful. It's a beautifully shot and it sets up the. Like it's when Minister Mason gives the metaphor for population control with the fish. Yeah. Um, how every now and then you have to, yeah. So it's 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 an important scene. So the I can point see is, why he would want to keep it. His dad was not a fisherman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. Uh, the protein block. It wasn't made of real bugs. Silly. It was made by combining seaweed tangle sugar and gelatin and apparently tilda swinton really liked it <laughs> so the real ones yeah like obviously they like were the movie props yeah yeah they like obviously okay. weren't feeding them like crushed up bugs i mean they're edible they are they're a people, delicacy in some places people people eat that stuff even in the united states like when cicadas come around people will eat cicadas not your dog though she just headbutts them yeah that's very true. That is a very cute moment. Here's something fun. The director had reservations about casting Chris Evans in the lead role because of his muscular physique. He felt that as a resident of ex- of the extremely poverty-stricken tail section, Chris should not be especially physically fit. So they used a lot of costuming and camera angles to keep his Captain America body from showing. That makes sense. Can you imagine working your butt off to look like that? Only to be told that you're too fucking jacked for a movie. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, we get it. You're perfect. Now put on some frumpy freaking clothes so we can... <laughs> <laughs> This is wild. According to the filmmakers, train babies like Yona developed animalistic hearing skills. Uh, do they explain why? Nope. Huh. Which... <laughs> When I read that, I was like, the idea of having animalistic hearing skills while living on a train would be hell. You would hear... Trains are already loud. Yeah. That would suck. I wonder if that's in an effort to explain how she could tell what was behind doors. Probably, right? I think it's cooler if she's psychic. Me too. So that's going to be... That's what I'm going to believe. Oh, I found an answer to one of our things that we said earlier. Um... Writer-director Bong Joon-ho wanted to underline the pressing danger of global warming by setting the year that the CW7 is dispersed as 2014. Okay. And they said they've been on the train for 17 17 years. years. So that means that it it takes place in 2031. Okay. So, hey, y'all. They bought us a couple years. It's coming. But start getting your act together. And the Unless last... you want to live on the snow piercer. I don't. <laughs> and the last scene of the movie with the beautiful polar bear was shot in Austria, which I oh. just put in there because I love Austria. 
Asher is a very beautiful place. One of the few places outside of the U.S. I've been, and it is breathtakingly gorgeous. Kurt, do you like do you like Snowpiercer? I think it goes without saying that I do. You recommend it? Oh yeah. Be prepared for some pretty gritty violence, um, and if you can stomach that, it it's a great watch. Yeah. Um, it's I supposed think... to be kind of right. That's kind of the point. Yeah, it's a good it's a good movie. I like it. Uh, I would say I don't think I would watch it again in terms of like sitting down. Like if you had it on, I think I would probably look up every now and then. But I think that I would want to have like my crocheting or like something like that. So I didn't have to look at the screen. I, I should also say that I think the soundtrack is really good. It's a really it's- solid movie. Like it's just a well put together movie. I would say if you can handle violence and i mean like for me it was it was the sustained level of violence for me because like once once it starts getting violent it kind of stays violent for the rest of the movie yeah because like i mean like we like we watched i watched the witcher quite often and there's literally a scene in which they like split somebody's head open with a sword oh that scene's fucking awesome and like i can like handle that but it's very brief for this it's very long and sustained i would say once you get to the part with the fish like if you don't like violence like just tap out just like kind of look down like it's it's yeah. bad um but i like it i recommend it do you want to do you want to lead us out i do thanks to flowers band for our intro and outro music all of their socials will be linked in the episode description so go check them out you can follow us on Instagram at Baby Gotta See This. And if you want to follow us and see absolutely no updates, you can also follow us on Twitter at BYGST Pod. One day I'll get around to that, but that day isn't today. Probably not anytime soon either. We should talk about what we're going to do next week. What are we doing next week? I haven't actually told Kurt what we're going to do next week. I keep asking and she keeps saying no. Next week and the week after, we're going to do uh, music. We're doing music? Yeah, we're each going to pick an album that we really, really like, one of our favorites, and we're going to listen to it and talk about it. This is solely because Kurt sucks at watching TV shows, and we have a couple TV shows coming up, so we're going <laughs> to pad some I'm time I'm really in. bad at watching TV shows. He is, and he's got- I just got, can't stay captivated. He's got two to get through. Yup. So we're adding some some time to watch those. So next week, I'm going to bring one of my favorite albums. You'll find out what it is. Okay, uh, this is my baby. Got to see this. I'm Liv. And I'm Kurt. Bye. See ya. Yeah.